Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and we are here uh, deep within the bowels of the Magenta Manor in the Pat Cave, and uh, we, are, of course, are a part of the Dorkening Network, and as such, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, uh, you will then have to make a very difficult decision as to whether or not you go back. But I am not here by myself. Today, I am here, as always, joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is... The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine. She is the Queen of the Monsters and an Honorary Lizzie. And when she is on that's uh, the loudest sports show, she is Slashes the Ice Queen. It is Ashes Von Nightmare. The Holy Khaleesi. Christ. <laughs> the Khaleesi of the Dorkening Network. Oh, Jesus Christ, you have a lot of names. It's However, worse. I drink like a Lannister. It's it's worse than like what's his yeah, name? Yeah, but you you cannot you Apollo cannot blame Creed, you, know, you cannot blame me for this though. Because you contri- you are an enabler. I am. I you contribute to this issue. You're like, hey, I have another you know what, nickname you know for what it you. Is, though? It's kind of funny watching, like, if we're doing this on video, like we have our guests here, and they get to, I get to see their reaction as I'm doing this in real time. Oh, so you just do this for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun for me. Uh, but we are joined by uh, some some special guests. Uh, one you might recognize if you are a, a a very big fan of the show. He sent in one of the greatest voicemails that we ever received oh of God. all time. <laughs> uh, we have Nick, we have Casey from Hidden Figures, and we have Dan, who is the uh, videographer, uh, for lack of a better term, for you guys. Hello. Hey, guys. Hello. Dan, is that, is that, would, would you call that accurate documentarian? I don't know. Um, I would go with filmmaker. Usually videographer is like uh, the dude who shows up with like two suitcases and shoots your wedding. Oh, yeah. That's. Oh, oh. okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, that makes sense. You know, I've the last few days I've been learning a lot of different distinctions. Like uh, on my live show on Friday, I learned the difference between a dark attraction and a haunt. Uh, dark attraction, not the uh, women who wanted to have Ted Ted Bundy's babies, by the way. But dark attractions are much more intricate and detailed than a haunt. And there's a lot more that goes into them. But you can listen to that uh, on or watch it on YouTube because that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about uh, hidden figures. Not the hidden figures you think of because we could not get Octavia Spencer. But, uh, um, we're talking about the band Hidden Figures, uh, of which Nick and Casey, you guys are vocalists for that, correct? That is true. I am the uh, lead vocalist or hollerer because that's what I do. You, you ain't KP, no hollaback girl. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He uh, does rhythm guitar and he does the clean vocals. And uh, which which instruments do you play? The skin flute. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to handle my organ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were training on theremin. No theremin training anymore? No. All right, good, because I just made that up. That would have been cool yeah. if you were, though. Um, so you guys, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, your videos and your, uh, you know, your, uh, your your album that's coming out sometime in the uh, near future, we'll call it. But uh, I've gotten a chance to listen to some of your stuff. Nick, I've listened to your, your, uh, your hollering for quite some time. And uh, 
so we're going to get more into that. But before we do, we're going to we're going to do a little round of getting into character. And it's weird that we have three people. But uh, Nick, normally we wouldn't ask you any questions, but we're going to okay. because uh, because you're here and uh, <laughs> we can. So first thing I'm going to do, uh, the question I have is because you guys are musicians and, uh, you know, you you write your own songs, you, you play your own instruments. What to you is the definition of a musician? Like, do you require, do you, in order for you to consider someone a musician, do they have to write their own songs or do they just sing or do, you know, what do you consider a musician? And Nick, I'll start with you because you're trying to pass it off to Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess anybody who has like an active interest in, learning an instrument and like is serious about it as far as like practicing daily and stuff. And I guess, it, I mean, where I started from, I was God awful and never thought I would get to, you know, the point that we're at now, but just, you know, consistent progress, um, you know, practice and progress. If you're serious about it, then I guess that that would be my answer. Casey. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I'd say anyone attempting to learn an instrument, I don't think you have to be, you know, creative or writing your own music to be considered a musician it's more of like a songwriter i guess and dan how about you uh i'd say anybody who puts in the effort you know the i think the there's that there's that line in that gorilla song rhythm you have it or you don't that's a fallacy i think anyone can learn to be they just have to make the choice see for me i i look at it like i see someone who is a performer who just goes up and has a team of people writing their songs, doesn't play an instrument, I don't consider them to be a musician. You might be a singer or a performer, but I wouldn't consider that person to be the musician. Do you, do you see where, like... I mean, Billie Eilish would, would really disagree with you there. Yeah. She just speaks. She just gets to... Her brother writes her music. She gets on stage and she just speaks with rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> then then she's a performer. I wouldn't I wouldn't call her Yeah, but a she's she's part of the the whole writing process though. If she writes, then you know, if you are someone like Like I they don't know. they collaborate together. Like she you know, I, I I'm a fan of hers. So um I've seen some of the interviews that she's done where, you know, Phineas, that's her, her brother, has said that she'll come with Ferb? this beat. Yeah, Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> There's 104 days of summer vacation. Um, no, but like, you know, she went to the dentist and she just thought the drill sounded cool. You know, right, so but she, that's, she recorded that and was like, hey, like, let's, let's see what we can do with this. There's, um, I guess, the crosswalks uh, in Australia, the, the lights that are along with the crosswalks make a specific noise. They're all upside down, too. Y yes, they're all upside down. Um <laughs> But she was really though she she recorded that right. But that's know. that's act. I'm saying like people who just I have a team that writes my songs. I don't play any instruments. I just get up there, I sing like Pavarotti, you know, for you know, or or a Sarah Brightman, you know, they just sing. They're singers or performers. They're not necessarily musicians. The same way you can make the argument that like cheerleading isn't a sport but cheerleaders are very much athletes like i that's that's my specific distinction having zero musical ability whatsoever that's just where <laughs> i'm coming from that's why we ask these questions 
Ashes, uh, your turn before I uh, sound even dumber than I already have. <laughs> well, I, I have, I've, I've, this is a two part question. My first question goes specifically to Nick. Um, have you ever put butter on a Pop Tart? <laughs> I hear it's so uh, no, freaking good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, if there was anybody that you could collaborate with, either uh, a musician, singer, songwriter, you know, somebody in behind the scenes, if anybody, uh, and this question goes to all of you, who would you like to collaborate with and why? Hmm. <laughs> um, I guess... I, I would say Caleb Shomo uh, from Beartooth. Uh, a lot of the stuff that he writes and comes up with, uh, lyrically, it all resonates really deeply with me with, you know, the struggles with mental health and stuff like that. So I, I feel like that we could, him and I together could write uh, a very good song and that with a lot of depth to it. Yeah, I'd probably say like Buddy from Census Fail or something. It's just, my music doesn't sound too much like them you know, at this point in my life, but they were just such a huge influence into like what sort of structures and, and cadences and stuff I found really appealing. Dan, how about you? <laughs> I have uh, so, so many. Um, <laughs> if I had to pick one, gun to my head, I'd say of Montreal. I'm going to get out of the genre. I'm going to go off into like electronic because uh, the, the album... <laughs> Atlantic Twins from like 2005 when I heard it I was like this needs puppets this whole thing <laughs> it sounds like there should be like pink furry dudes and like bright green dudes like waving their hands around singing these ridiculous fucking songs uh, <laughs> of Montreal album Sunlandic Twins into a puppet musical excellent <laughs> I mean that's you had me at puppets <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for something like that, I don't know if you're familiar with the film Meet the Feebles. Uh, it's an early Peter Jackson film, which it's all puppets, but it's like yeah. raunchy and it's what what the hell was that Melissa McCarthy movie that came out with the puppets? That oh, was, yeah. God. I saw it, it was insane. It was supposed to, but imagine like raunchy late 70s early 80s like schlock but with puppets like sex and drugs and murder like two Sounds streets hot. down from sesame street <laughs> yeah it's it's a little bit past sesame street past avenue q and then you've got meet the feebles uh it's it's mind-blowing and it's you know peter jackson like it's Stuff he did right around uh, Dead Alive. And so, yeah, <laughs> Dan, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Alive is so hard for me to watch. So think about that type of subject matter, but with puppets. So uh, we'll do one more question uh, because there are three of you and everybody's answering. Usually we do like five, but, you know, that might be a little much. Um. If you were to be part of any film franchise, what would you want to be a part of? And like, what would you, what role would you want to take? You know, would you want to star in it? Would you want to write? Would you want to direct? Like, would you do stuff behind the scenes? So, uh, Nick, let's start with you. 
you gotta ask such tough question and this <laughs> so, like <laughs> what <laughs> um Nick would made a make a hot black widow <laughs> yeah I I would look good in this spandex <laughs> damn um I think that I I'll just say like one of the Batman films. Um I'll go with uh what's his face there? The Christian Bale director. Um Christopher Nolan. Yeah, there we go. Uh I really like his style, but I would just want to be one of the henchmen that goes, Oh, it's the bat <laughs> <laughs> and then he kicks the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh Casey, how about you? Oh, man, I have no clue. You guys ever seen the movie Kung Pao? Uh, yes. <laughs> it's just absurd. Yeah. Like anything absurd. And just like Nick, just to be an extra that just, you know, mouths something that they're not even saying, just to have it dubbed later on. That'd I'd be, be like great. one of those guys that's sweeping, but his broom's not touching the ground. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Dan, how about you? I'm going to dig deep. I, I wouldn't want to be an extra. I'd want to direct. Mm. Um a sequel to the 1999 film Dark City. Ooh, okay. I I I think I think they need to stop remaking movies that were done perfectly like Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. Red Dawn. I think we need to either remake or continue movies that had a great idea but just fell down a little bit in execution. Uh no offense Mr. Poyas. Mr. Poyas is a, is a genius, but I think I think Dark City needs that little extra, then I would love to do it. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I would love to see, like, a continuation of The Thing, because uh, I want to know what happens next. Right? Like, I know they did the comics. I know they had the games. I know they had the prequel. So now that has to, that has to be on my list of greatest sequels of all time, because... They made a, if they made a prequel that automatically makes this a sequel. So now you got to include it in the conversation with Empire and Terminator Two and Aliens. So, uh, all right. So that's gonna wrap up the uh, getting into character questions. Uh, you guys did uh, uh, admirably. So what we're gonna do now? We're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we are gonna discuss uh, hidden figures. Uh, we're gonna discuss all about what you guys have done, how you guys have done it, and. Um, what we're going to see from you guys. Uh, So we will be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history, from the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy, from movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all, 
Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm sorry for wasting all my time on you. I'm sorry I couldn't be so perfect this time. I'm sorry. first song that uh, Nick had sent to me and he had sent me um, he was very uh, very smartly sent me a uh, a song or a, a file that didn't have any words in it just uh, abbreviation so I had no idea what what it was so I had to make it up on my own. Uh, so that was uh, nothing you could say and the song that I uh, I didn't know what the title was at the time, so when I saved it, I saved it as because uh, it was just NYCS, so that was not your cuddle snack, <laughs> which I think is the alternate title. But uh, I was like, I don't know what this is. This is what it is now. So, oh uh, my god! <laughs> I I will have to go in and and change never it. Look at the box the same again. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. So now that'll be uh, that'll that might have to be the uh, show not title. Not your cuddle snack. Not your cuddle snack. That'll be on the B side. <laughs> <laughs> I think Casey could pull off a nice ballad. Yeah, <laughs> definitely could. Let's bring it back to the '80s real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me some beautiful <laughs> rose petals and candles. <laughs> like that in excess video when it's just uh what is it more than words where the guy's just sitting with the guitar and it's oh, all black and white or is that extreme I always that's extreme. extreme that's not in excess all right well you know what i'm talking about yes <laughs> weird Look, the rest parody. of the band is just in the background with lighters yes <laughs> two men are singing at each other <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh you guys are called hidden figures, so the first thing I'm going to ask is, uh, "You're not that hidden. I can see you." Well, well, you don't know. You're not looking at the screen. Maybe Nick's wearing camouflage. Like <laughs> I, I, I see that you're wearing the the shirt, uh, Nick, and you uh, you might have missed the mark on uh, not getting them to be uh, camo printed. Maybe for the next batch. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have to be the aesthetic from yeah. now on. <laughs> Everybody wears camo and like you know, you know, hidden figures featuring John Cena and Drax. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously, the first question is, where did the name come from, and uh, how did you guys decide on it? Ugh, naming the band was <laughs> probably the hardest thing we've done so far. Yeah, ask me to write an entire album before I name a band something I'm happy <laughs> yeah. with. Genuinely, I mean that. It was the worst Nick part. Um, I mean, we've been working together periodically for like the past like five years. Yeah. Something like that. So um, we've, we've gone through 
a few a few different changes and then like i moved out to new york for like a year and a half and things obviously were put on hold for that and so i didn't even know if i was coming back or not but when it came to naming the band just over the course of probably close to a year we were just consistently just like writing things down and shooting things out and at one point i had just gone through like um one of the apps that you can like track like what movies you're watching or have watched or whatever and i kind of was just like scrolling through and just writing down any movie title that like stuck out to me and hidden figures happened to be one of them um but it, it made its way into a list of like 50 other titles and it kind of just was sitting there for like five or six months how many times did we just go through the stories <laughs> together yeah. um, <laughs> i had a dictionary like on my nightstand for a few months and kind of just would randomly open it and just try to find a good word and no nothing works but we hidden figures actually is one of the working was one of the working titles for one of the songs that we have and then we kind of just were like we like that yeah. and then one day it was just like all right that's the name we're going with that <laughs> i imagine that would be like one of the more difficult parts you know, because I threw you out some ideas, and you didn't like any of my ideas. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like they, they were close second. Nick in the Nick tones. <laughs> and um, it's like, because it, I mean, that's what your brand is going to be, right? So you're, you yeah. you throw out all these different things, and you're just like, eh, it's stupid. Like that's terrible. But then you think of other bands that just have terrible names, and you don't even think twice about it. So it's. I don't know. It's hard. Everything just sounds really lame until you're kind of. It's like the process pretty much came down to what sounded the least lame. That's, and that's what we went. <laughs> that's it, what we went. With. It reminds me of uh, there's an old SNL skit where it's Nick Cage and his wife. I forget who played his wife, but they're coming up with all these different names, like trying to decide what their kid is going to be named, and everything she comes up with, he's like. He starts shooting down and it's like, oh, how about I just, you know, do this and beat the crap out of you? Like every single thing. <laughs> and like the doorbell rings after like five minutes of this, the doorbell rings and it's Rob Schneider as a bellhop. And he's like, oh, I have a package for you, Mr. Asswipe. And he's like, <laughs> it's us, we pay. <laughs> Stupid. Well, but yeah, it's it's like that. It's like, oh, what's going to sound great? And it's like, oh, like, I don't want his name to be like Nelson, you know, when it's like, it's still going to be asswipe. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know, coming up with something that's going to, you know, be your brand and represent who you are is very difficult because, you know, you guys, um, you have a lot of different personalities in the band. You have a lot of different uh, thoughts, and you know you guys are all coming from different places. So it's it's not as easy to just find one thing that everyone agrees on. See, I was lucky exactly. with with you know my podcast because I'm the one that created them. So I was like, oh, this is what it's going to be, and then like <laughs> other people joined in afterwards. So I was lucky with that because Throwdown Thursday may not be called Throwdown Thursday. It might be called you know the ashes show featuring patrick like that <laughs> like that might we probably have more listeners i mean it's entirely possible i mean it's not like i do anything i just do all the producing recording outlining booking guests <laughs> i sit here looking pretty like that's about it which people can't see on the radio overachiever <laughs> so once you came up with the uh, the name the next thing I imagine would have to be what your logo is going to be. And that, again, is going to be super difficult, uh, very much an inconvenience. So <laughs> super, give me, really an inconvenience. <laughs> so give me, a, give me a rundown a little bit on 
you know, once you got the name, you're like, okay, here's a name. Now, you know, the the hallmark of any good band is what their merch is going to look like. So tell us about your your process of creating the logo and for the for the merch you're going to put out. Uh so once we came up with the name, I uh, I, I mean, I kind of take the charge in the band with a lot of the networking that we're doing uh, as you guys are doing they're really busy with writing and uh, like, you know, the instruments and stuff like that. So I'm kind of trying to work at the other end of the spectrum here. And I, one night just on Facebook on a few of the groups that I'm in, uh, just kind of threw it out there that I was looking for a graphic designer. Um, And a few, I went through probably like five or six different people just talking to them and just talking to them was awkward. And um, I mean, some of their work was pretty good, um, but then there was this one guy, um, who we ended up going with, uh, Stefan, he lives in over in Europe. Um, he just does absolutely incredible work. Uh, all of the stuff that he had, it was like super HD. You could zoom in like as far as you wanted on any part of it. And it was like crystal clear and like the stuff that he was coming out with and putting together was just leaps and bounds better than what anybody else was doing. So I, you know, I reached out to him and he, uh, he gave us a really good deal. Um, yeah, he, he did a lot of work. Like he gave us so many iterations to work with. It was really an awesome experience working with him. Anytime we uh, we had a lot of revisions, and he would send us probably like four or five different ideas, and we were kind of like, we like these ideas, but we want this spin on them. And then he would do that, and then send a, like two more ideas, and then we were like, those are pretty good, but you know, take this out and try something else. And then he sent us back other ideas, and we were like, maybe we should just have like some type of shape, like. Uh, uh, like Moss the Flames has like their the flame and like that's their logo or their brand logo. Um, and then he sent us back a couple ideas that were that were pretty cool that um, were uh, along the lines of the stuff that we write about. And then after that, we were like, eh, let's just go with the letters. And then he <laughs> he sent us back uh, probably again four or five different ideas. And we had one that we really liked that we was the like the first iteration of what the logo is today. Um, but some the way that he had done it, it kind of looked like uh, HP, and it really reminded us of Harry Potter. So we were like, yeah, we got to make some changes. <laughs> we actually just ended up flipping one of the lines like upside down so that the like the squiggly through it didn't like connect to the F as much as it did. Um, and that's what it ended up coming out with. Uh, we have we he threw like some, um, What's the word there? Like not distortion, but the oh, the um, I suppose it's distortion, right? I don't know. It, it looks like it's like cracked and like there's like dots all through it and stuff. So that's like the logo that would be on the uh, that you'll see on the video. Um, but yeah, he he's been fantastic. So working with him was absolutely incredible. So anybody who's looking to have any kind of logo work done, uh, he specializes in working with musicians, and he actually did our uh, our album artwork as well. Um, and he has incredibly fair prices for the the quality that he puts out. Yeah, definitely. Stefan, after you finish with us, raise your prices, man. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I mean, but keep us be... on that good deal. Yeah, yeah right. Because <laughs> uh, you, you sent me the picture of the album art, and it looks phenomenal. Uh, he's absolutely incredible. He's yeah, so he's good. So how did you guys uh, how do you guys hook up with Dan when it came time to do your, your, your videos? Like, what was that process like? Uh, so 
Oh, go ahead, Dan. Yeah, you too. Well, hey, Nick, you can, I, you can stop talking for two minutes. No, I, I'm the vocalist, all right? A typical lead singer. <laughs> I'm the vocalist. Uh, I have to I be had, vocal. Uh, I, Nick and I ended up connecting because I, I didn't have Wi-Fi. Uh, <laughs> so I was doing some writing work for an agency, and I needed to, like, you know, update drafts and stuff. So anytime I needed to, uh, you know, check you know use use my laptop i would go down to the barnes and noble uh where christina was working and she would you know i can't remember how it came up where she'd like came to serve me a coffee and was like oh is that a script what are you writing do you you know you a filmmaker and i was like yeah and she's like well my boyfriend's in a band he might need some videos and i didn't think anything was going to come of it and then i got a call from nick on the phone was like hey my girlfriend is a waitress at at barnes and nobles do you want to make a video (laughs) I mean, that's, I mean, that's, it's organic. Like, you know, sometimes, see, that's why I kind of missed, there was a, there was a place in, uh, in Shrewsbury, Borders, that made me sad. I oh, miss, yeah. I miss Borders because I've, you know, I, I've done a lot of networking and, and stuff there, just sitting in the coffee shop, like, you know, writing or, or, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, that's a that's a fun story. Like you know, not having Wi-Fi and like that, you know, leading to the fact that uh, you've since gotten Wi-Fi because you are. Uh, yes, I'm-, <laughs> I'm actually in the storage room right now of Barnes and Noble. They don't know that. <laughs> but I mean, it's you know that's what it's there for. You know, use it, take it, take advantage of it. So, you've got some history as a filmmaker. You're you know you've you've made short films. You've done other videos. Uh, when it came time to what uh, these guys' vision was, you know, how did you help them realize their vision, and how close was it to what you guys? Uh, so we'll start with Dan. Like, how did you help them uh, realize their vision, and then for you guys, how close was it to what you had originally imagined? Like, did you storyboard stuff out? Like, what was the what was the process? Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of how I, a lot of this that you know a lot of the help i provided was you know kind of explaining to nick in very technical terms that his ideas weren't unachievable so initially he was like well i had this idea to do this but we probably can't do that without you know like a big budget i was like actually you'd be amazed we can do this and we could take this and there's silent film techniques and like stage magic techniques and there's very simple um you know, camera manipulations where if we planned it out very, very strategically, your idea isn't that crazy. Uh, we could do this. And he's like, well, I want to, there's a big reveal that I don't want to give away because this will be broadcast before the video drops. Correct. Yes. So there's, there's a couple of big reveals that they look visually impressive, but they're actually quite simply done um, through kind of like stop motion. So most of what, my contribution was in terms of uh, concept was just it, taking taking Nick's request and 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 turning that into you know a specific achievable technique. Yeah, and I would imagine that you know using the uh, the expertise that you have, you know, you know, where lighting and and camera angle and all that comes into play that. You know, you're like, all right, well, I, I've done this before, so or something similar, so you can draw on that experience. Absolutely, there's, you know, and and, and like I said, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that, um, earlier on in my career, I've, you know, I've, I've seldom. It took me 
a solid decade of of making movies the hard way to be able to get to a place where people would give me a budget to like actually pay for shit mm. um but a lot of you know what i w- was able to get better product out of doing it the hard way was by going back to you know really early silent film and saying like okay they did they they put a rocket ship on the moon in in 1918 how like this can't be that hard they didn't even have computers like <laughs> go things and say like okay so if this is rear projection or george melies who um Martin Scorsese made a great biopic about him, Hugo. Well, it's about like a child understudy that sort of ex- realizes that this cool old dude who runs the toy shop used to be a filmmaker. Um, but he had been a stage magician and then he applied stage magic to the camera, which is much easier to fool than an audience full of people. Because rather than having, you know, 180 degree angle people looking at you, you have a one degree angle. Mm-hmm. So it's a easier uh for me to fool you if that these two objects are clearly not the same size but if i do this now you can't tell the viewer can't see what i'm doing here i'm holding a big thing and a small thing at different distances from the camera They look the same size. Force perspective, which is what they did a Force. ton of in uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy to make Gandalf look eight feet tall and to make the hobbits look three feet tall. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so there's a lot of those classic techniques. So there's matte painting. So they used to take a sheet of glass, put it in front of the lens, make a painting on the sheet of glass and just leave one little hole. And in that hole, you would put two people. Uh, we don't use sheets of glass anymore. We use computers, but it's still the same technique that, you know, that they were they were making fantasy movies in the 1920s um so forced perspective is a huge thing there's a great book that a psychologist wrote called film as art um where where someone claimed that uh, film movies can never be an art form because it's just a a mechanical reproduction of life and this psychologist went through and he said no i'm going to explain to you life the human brain does this a camera cannot so when you manipulate things like perspective that makes it art. You're making a choice as to what mm-hmm. to look at, not to look at. Um, and, but because it's written by a psychologist, it's all about how the brain interprets information. And if you get film as art, it's really just a manual as to how to do crazy shit like we did in this music video. It's like, okay, you want to ma- you want to ma- you want to trick people as to how far away things are. You want to trick people as to where where things are relative to each other. Um, this is how you do it. Yeah, which is fantastic. Like, I love seeing this, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. And it's like, oh, well, we're just going to, you know, oh, it looks like this table's fading off into the distance. No, the table's actually 14 feet wide at this point and 3 feet wide at that point. You know, like, all these, you know, for lack of a better term, cheat codes Yep. to achieve what you want without massive... uh I mean, like Nick was telling me, he wanted a thousand foot dragon, you know, you know, vomiting up demon skulls, and that's a little tougher to do with, uh, with you know, trick photography. But so, with that oh, being absolutely. said, what was it like the uh, the uh, the South Park Scooby Doo thing? Oh, the pirate ship was just a flashlight and three Q tips. Yeah. <laughs> So Nick uh, and and Casey, looking at this, uh, getting to see the final video, going through the shoot, how close to uh, your actual vision was uh, the final 
the final video and to uh go with that um how much of what you were thinking was like oh i don't know if i can get this i don't know if we can achieve this uh how much did you change your thoughts based on um what dan is able to do for you well like a lot of the times when i come up with like a song idea nick is really good at adding a lot more context to it so like i'll grab a overarching idea he'll kind of fill it in with a lot more like subjective and personal sort of information that you know like really illustrates the rest of the song but in terms of translating that i like working with dan i mean he did a lot more than i was anticipating especially considering we shot that in one day too it was just it was really nice you know like i thought obviously since you know we're just doing our first videos and stuff that would be really constrained but we're able to do a lot more than anticipated yeah um basically what what i'm have been doing is anytime we have a song whether it's like we're in the middle of working on it or it's a done song and we've done you know pre-production on it or whatever i listen to those songs over and over and over and over and over and over again um, just on repeat and nothing else. And um, I went on a walk one day and was listening to the to the song um, and just like listening to the lyrics and thinking about, you know, the different ideas that I had when we were writing it. Um, because that, I mean, the song originally was, the, the idea behind it was just to have it be like a generic relationship song. Um, but then after like sitting down and like, you know, working with it and thinking on it, it, it was good. The lyrics were good, but it, it didn't like resonate with me uh, on a level. So like, I wouldn't have been able to give it the performance that I did be because of the uh, emotional context behind it. So we, we turned it into a, uh, it's created like an inversion of it basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it still is a relationship song, but for me, it's the relationship that I have with myself and um, you know, the struggles with my mental health. Right. Um, so on that walk, I'm just thinking of it and, you know, the idea kind of like came to me and I was thinking on it and trying to figure out how to put it all together. So I had like one main idea and, but I was like, I don't know how we would do this. I don't know how we would put it all together. I don't know how one part would transition into the other. I called Casey and we talked about it um, just to see if, if the idea was even good. And he was really excited on it, which got me even more excited on it. So and we sat down together and tried to, you know, piece everything together, which we sat down on, you know, Google Docs and typed it all out. And that became the treatment, right, Dan? That, <laughs> that became the treatment that I uh, gave to Dan. And, you know, we talked about it. There was definitely some ideas that we couldn't do just based off of, like, budget. And, again, those are just, you know, things that I wasn't sure if we could do or not. And that's where, you know, Dan came into play and really helped put those things together and, I would say that the video didn't come out the way that I anticipated or had originally thought, but it came out way better than I could have ever imagined or hoped for. Uh, like Casey was saying, I mean, I had no idea what we were getting into. I mean, we have never shot a video like this, let alone to, you know, this caliber we show up and, you know, Dan rolls up with his crew and you know, 20 people <laughs> jump yeah. out of the truck and, you know, they set up, they got like all this lighting equipment. They got the, the camera on the dolly, like on a, on a track. And, um, oh, what was it BK? He's got like the giant 
thing strapped to his back with like Gimble. the crane thing that like came over. <laughs> like there was there was so much more than I could have ever you know dreamed for. It's it cool was... to watch the idea though, like go between different people because it's like a creative seed, you know. Right. Like, it it becomes something more fine each time in its own way. Right. And you really every time you pass it on, you let it go. And it's kind of cool to let it just become what it will be, like in someone else's hands. And a, a lot of the uh, like some of the ideas that I had like. I'm glad that they didn't work out because with this being the first video that we've done, we kind of now have some type of experience with it. Um, and I see a lot of the things that not necessarily went wrong, but I would have liked to done better so I can look out for those things. And I feel like I can give Dan a little bit more to work with, with our future projects um, based, you know, just based off that experience that we had, which was absolutely phenomenal. Ashes, uh, you haven't been asking anything for a while, so. So how did it feel to see uh, from start to finish this this project come to fruition? <laughs> there, there's one thing that sticks out to me that uh, really, like, <laughs> just like a really surreal moment. I mean, you guys have been there from when I first even bought my recording equipment and just started doing vocals and was terrible and <laughs> uh, just, you know, working, never thought anything would ever come with it. I mean, I've been working on music stuff since I was 16 and just was never really any good at it, but I had a passion for it and I loved it. So I just did it. Right. Um, so, you know, sitting there on that day, just kind of looking around at what everybody was doing and where we were. And um, it was like during the lunch break, I had, uh, I was towards the end of it. My sister Tanya had, was messaging me. And then I had to cut the conversation short because I was like, oh, they need me back on set. And like that, like, like the fact that I was able to say that and it like was a real thing, like was just, I don't know, it's very, very, very surreal. Like this. You just put the phone down. Yeah. Dust off yeah. your shoulders a little bit. <laughs> I'm back a three-story yeah. trailer. Yeah. No, it's really been a surreal and awesome experience. It's really cool to see like how Dan has encapsulated the idea in his own right. So when you first watch the video, like, were you looking at it with a, and this is for all of you guys, because, you know, obviously the first time you're getting to see uh, even a rough cut, was there, you know, stuff where you're looking at it as, okay, this needs to be changed a little bit. We need to kind of, uh, like, Dan, did you need to do a bunch of pickups? Uh, where there are things where you're just like, oh, you know, I wish we could have done this or, oh, man, I'm really glad we went for this particular thing because it's awesome and I'm so glad we did it. So I'll start with Nick and Casey. Um, the first time, like the first couple of times that I watched it, I was just absolutely like completely blown away. Uh, again, the first thing that we are doing as a band with this. And I just had very small expectations of what we were going to get because I didn't even know if we were going to work with Dan uh, to begin with. Dan and I had been talking for the better half of the year, trying to figure out when and how we could, you know, put things together. So I, I just, I didn't know um, what to expect. And then when we got it back, it was just like, this is incredible. And I had to watch it probably like, 15 to 20 times before I could get over the <laughs> we actually did this type of thing and actually try to look for 
some of the things that I could give some type of feedback to other than being like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, <laughs> like on the other end of it. Yeah. I spent so much time like just writing the music, the sort of the hypercritical editing sort of lens that you look at like anything creative through is like always by default mindset. So whenever you get the video back, just like you were saying, you know, you have those moments like eh, the fade could have been a little tighter. You know what I mean? Maybe we can, you know, knock it up at a minute or one, you know, like make something better. And then a week later, I can sit back and go, Oh, I made some neat shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, how about you? Like, were you looking at it? Um, because you know, obviously this isn't your music. You're not putting this together, but did you look at this with an overly critical eye at first? Or were you looking like, did you sit back and go, yeah, I'm fucking good. <laughs> never, 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 never. I'm fucking good. Um, there was a, there was a, a graphic designer who did a, um, like a, a college graduation speech and he in and, and, and I can't remember his name and I've tried to find it a hundred thousand times a co-worker I used to have had it framed on his wall and he said that there's ten rules and one of them was uh if you hate you you hate your work good that means you're progressing um be suspicious when you stop hating your work because that means you've either plateaued or you're regressing hmm. and so that's the you know and and I and I never looked at it you know because I I I, you know, when, when you're editing, when you're creating a video, you're building it like you know, brick. So you have a, you have all the footage on the drive and it's like a, you know, like a dump truck pulled into your yard and just dumped like seven pallets of bricks and they're all mishmashing on top of each other. You know, they're not even nicely organized. So you have to kind of like dig through to find what brick goes where. So you're, you can't see the wall that you're making because you're you're too focused on the bricks and when you get done you you have a wall but what you see is just a more slightly more organized pile of bricks so i can't even see the video until after i've sent it out gotten you know to like 30 people be like somebody tell me that this isn't awful someone tell me (laughs) am i a fraud please tell me i'm not a fraud um, but if I am, be honest. And then, you know, a week, then I don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't nothing to, don't keep that hard drive off my desk for a solid week and a half. Uh, I let everybody's notes come in kind of trickling. So I, so I send it off to my cinematographer, uh, camera operator, first AC, uh, makeup, everybody, everyone who was part of it. And, and even a bunch of people who weren't other older collaborators and other like, you know, my peers. So I have a bunch of other friends who are, or directors that have hired me to gaff their stuff or do this or that. And the other thing, and we all kind of, you know, put eyes on each other's work and say like, am, am I off base here? It does. Is this awful or is this awesome? I can't tell. Um, and then after two weeks come go by and I get all these notes back, I sit down with a pile of notes and I go through the time code and, and then the, the good note, the good moments are when I look at a note, it says that, you know, at 1007, I don't like this shot. And I look at the note and I say, no, I like this shot. This shot is staying. This is a good <laughs> fuck you. Um, and when I get enough of those, then I feel like, okay, this is something I, I don't feel like a fraud anymore. Because I'm, I'm able to defend my choices. This was a choice for specific reason. Now I'm going to send this to Nick. Now I'm going to allow you know let Nick look at the thing. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good way of looking at it uh, in anything that you create. You know, it's like, you know, especially if you have the opportunity to go back and be like, okay, well, let me tweak this slightly or let me, you know, use the editing software to kind of change this or, you know, 
you know, what have you. But, you know, when you look at something and, like you were saying, like, no, like, I don't know what this guy is thinking, but, like, this is great. Like, this is such a great shot, and this is exactly what I was looking to do when I took this, you know, took this job. Yeah, so. when I was in college, we used to have for, for photo, I, I was a photo miner, and when we had our our critiques, we called them defenses. You would go to your, you would have your defense. Uh, and I always thought that was really fucking weird because we're not like law students. We're like photo students. Uh, but now I get it. Now I understand. It's like, can I defend every choice that I made? Can I, def- is there a reason? Is nothing is random. Everything's intentional. Can I defend every aspect? Why is this here? It's here for a reason. And if you can't defend it, then don't belong there. Yeah, exactly. definitely relate to that. The critical thinking in the art sort of classes, those definitely help a lot, like getting that sort of idea together and like how to critique your own work to find that, oh, I'm actually, you know, solid. I feel comfortable about those like choices I've made. Yeah, because yeah, it's you are going to be in most situations, you are going to be the harshest critic of yourself, mm-hmm. and especially when you are creating something and you know, I, I suppose it all depends on the different mindset, but, you, you know, a lot of times you're going to think this isn't good enough. It should never see the light of day. That might be a little bit too extreme, but if you can look at something like you guys were saying, look at it uh, objectively, thinking critically like, okay, this is here and I like this. Why do I like it? Do I like it because I did it or do I like it because it fits whatever narrative uh, purpose that it's there to serve? You know, so figuring that out sometimes can be difficult. So going through this entire process with this one song from this album, has it changed your view on the song at all? Do you think of it differently now because you've seen this song come to life in a way? I don't really think so. I think really, if anything, Dan's just solidified the message in the video. You know, it's even more of it's it's consistent idea than it was before as a song by itself and that's at least how i feel about it the video definitely i had a very um specific idea for the like the song uh, as far as like thematically how i wanted it to go from you know opening to the verse chorus and uh breakdown you know whatever um and we achieved that and I was extremely happy with what we did. And then the video pretty much for the most part was just like a shot for shot visual remake of what I did with, or wanted to do with the lyrics and stuff. So it really, I was absolutely thrilled with it, but I really got that like being solidified with the song and being really happy with it when Casey and I made those initial changes to the song and it turned from what it was to what it ended up being. Um, I felt, I, I fell in love with the song at that point. And then everything that we worked on with Dan really like drove it home and pulled it all together for me. I think, I think, you know, when you collaborate, and, you know, everybody's got like a, not everybody, but people have uh, different visions of where they think things are going to go. Like, because the way you describe something, Nick, isn't going to be exactly how Casey hears it. Casey's going to look at it and be like, okay, this is what I think we're going for. And, you know, there's a lot of that uh, constant back and forth and collaboration. And once you guys are on the same page now, you've got to convey that to Dan. And Dan's got to take what you've given him and interpret, you know, your 
your uh, vision through his lens the best he can. And I think the, the biggest key is if people check their egos and realize that everyone's trying to work towards the same goal. Um, so I think, you know, I, w I would imagine that that was something that happened with you guys. You guys were just kind of like, especially where you're just starting out. Um, but Dan, you know, you've been doing this for a while. So I think that you were able to, you know, kind of help guide these guys in a direction where they said, you know, this is what we're looking for. You know, what can you do? And, you know, you have this extensive experience, you know, you've done music videos, you've done short films. Um, so you've been, you were able to say, okay, well, this is what we can do. So uh, I know you touched on it a little bit, but how did, you know, your previous experience um, allow you to kind of take uh, these guys' vision and, you know, put it together as uh, completely as you did? I mean, I think everything is connected to everything. Is that a helpful thing to say? <laughs> uh, probably not. Uh, you know, I mean, with, with, just to say. <laughs> you know, with, with all of your experience, you draw from, you know, you, you, no one, you know, no one training or one experience makes up who, uh, you know, the, the tools that are in a, uh, uh, an artist's toolbox, you know, um, that, that metaphor right there I got from the Stephen King book on writing. Um, so you, so there's, I've, you know, directed a lot of short films and music videos. I've helped produce some, uh, you know, as, as a, as a third, as a, as a member of the lighting team. And even as a gaffer, I've worked on, you know, larger features. Um, and, you know, anytime I go to work, I'm always looking to see what I can take away from this and what I can learn and, and how everything is done, you know? So even there's, you know, commercials where we, if we're, if we're doing something really cool, I'll be like, Oh, how is this done? How are we doing this? I'm going to tuck that away for later. Um, and then, you know, the same thing with, with movies that you watch, everything is reference material books that you, you know, books that I read, the, those are all, it all goes into the mulch, into the collage, into the tapestry of information so that when Nick says, I want to do this big reveal, how do, you know, but, uh, you know, how do I do this? And I say, well, if we wanted to do that exactly, it would be like $100,000 worth of CGI. But we could do this other similar thing, which is very simple, and all that requires is, you know, a dolly and some guys and some precision and we can make drawings and be very particular and we can do a very similar effect. Um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you answered it fairly well. Like how did you, you know, use what you've gotten as experience with uh, a plum? Yes. <laughs> very professionally. Um, <laughs> So the next that kind of leads me to a new question for uh, Nick and Casey. Based on, you know, now learning, you know, what a video shoot entails and, you know, seeing what you can do and working with Dan. Uh, are you going to approach the next video? Because you guys said you're doing a couple. The, are yep. you are going to approach the next one differently? Hopefully with more confidence to say, OK, this is how I'm going to do this. 
and this is what I'm going to be able to do. Um, let's kind of step up a notch, you know, let's shoot for a higher level for this next one. Yeah. So, uh, Casey's really good at keeping me in check with some of the stuff too. So like I had originally, uh, again, with, with the song that we're going to be doing next, that, that was probably, I think the first song that Casey and I worked on together, um, when we first started. And it, I mean, it went through a ton of iterations, but that song is, uh, right now the most important one to me out of, you know, our catalog right now. Um, so going over it, you know, lyrics and, you know, line by line, I had put together another treatment and I was incredibly happy on it. I was, I was like super excited. I was really excited to show it to Casey. And then I showed it to Casey and he didn't say anything to me about it for <laughs> like a week and a half. And I was just like, oh, damn it. And then I, I finally got together with him and then he was just like, yeah, no, we got to like throw all this out because we just, it doesn't work because we don't have enough time. Yeah. Like I was just looking at it and I was like, how do I, you know, play devil advocate as Dan to save him a step, you know, like, you know, I don't know a lot about, you know, shooting this sort of stuff, Nick, but I'm pretty sure that's not doable. <laughs> we can do it. But then, you know what I mean? I'm bastardizing his baby, his idea. Yeah. So, I mean, that definitely sucked and I uh, <laughs> did not feel great. Um, and I pouted in the corner for a little while, but then we, uh, <laughs> you know, we looked at it some more, we went over it and made some revisions and, uh, everything that I've talked to with Dan, he's taken, you know, the ideas that I've had and made them a lot better. And he is very, he's awesome at helping me come to, uh, realize what is actually, uh, viable for us to do and realistic. And he can take those ideas and make them even better than I had originally thought of, but I will definitely, uh, lie to people and say that that was my idea and Dan had nothing to do with it. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a diversion question. Oh, you can go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just said you shoot for the stars. You land on the moon. What were you saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man. It's like, it's, you know, instead of like approaching it after this, like, you know, what can we do better? It's almost like, you know, it's pretty obvious that Dan isn't just a solid director, et cetera. You know, he has a lot of creative vision of his own and he has a lot of his own video ideas that, you know, aren't originating with us. And I think working with him is just going to be fun to, you know, play around with those and let him execute his ideas and be a part of that rather than the other way around almost. I'm, I'm actually really excited about that collaboration process as he's been giving us some ideas that I, I never would have thought of. And like, there's some, Easter egg ideas that we were uh, talking about throwing into uh, into the video, which once we had that conversation. Uh, so anytime I talk to Dan, we have <laughs> we're going to talk about like one thing, but we're going to be on the phone for about an hour and a half because Dan likes to talk and it's good. It's really great because right? we get a lot of ideas that that come out of it. And like I said, a lot of the things that he has come up with are so great and just those those little things really helped to tie my overall idea together because I had just like very basic idea. But then Dan was like, well, let's focus in on this type of thing. But then while we're focusing on that, we're also going to sprinkle in these little things to it. And only a select few people are going to realize what we're doing. And I was like, this is fantastic. I absolutely love it because I'm going to tell everybody that that was my idea. <laughs> yeah. It's like rather than just having a video where like, hey, make this doable. It's like, you know, Dan has a lot of creative ideas. We would never be able to contribute. Let's live on those as well, you know. Can we can we can we say what the 
what the scenario of the second video is what just what yeah Yeah. i think we're getting too abstract yeah (laughs) uh so uh, basically what what we're doing is i'll just give it an overarching thing right so there's a lyric in the chorus of that song um at the end that says uh the whole world may be a stage but i doubt you could drop the act uh so we wanted to play on that metaphor so the the video essentially is going to be in a theater and a play is going to be performing um, while we're kind of just performing our song in the middle of that, as if we, we're not really there. Uh, but Dan, you can talk about um, the, what you were saying. Well, that was just to contextualize what, what Nick just said as far as, as you know, like the, 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 what I do to his ideas is he says, you know, we want to do this. We want to have a play. We want to have these kinds of characters that are the actors and this is the situation in the play. Um, and the, the part that I contributed that Nick was saying that he wouldn't have thought of was I, I, you know, asked like, okay, what kind of play? Is it a Shakespeare play? Is it Tennessee Williams? What, what is the play that they're doing and how are we going to costume the players on the stage? And like, this makes a really exciting opportunity to make some crazy fucking costumes. And then, you know, and then we take off into a new direction because it's, there's, there's, you know, there's the, there's the, the bones, there's the structure. And then, you know, you can, you can take a hotel and there's a million different kinds of hotels. Are we at a Hilton? Are we at the the Grand Budapest Hotel? Is it a Motel 6? What does the inside <laughs> of the hotel look like? What color are the walls? Are they covered in gold leaf? Is it painted a very boring shade of beige? Um, and once you start getting the, the, you know, so basically what I do is just start asking Nick questions and waiting for him to, to you know, to see what he has in his mind, what what pictures there already are, and when there are times where he's like, oh, geez, I don't know. <laughs> then I just start throwing out options. We can do this kind of play. We can do this kind of play. We can do this kind of play. And see what, you know, what, what sticks. Um, so I would say, you know, col- you know, it's just, it's a really nice collaboration because then, then, you know, you, you, we, we make this mulch and then we take that mulch and like, or, or like if it's a, if it was a sculpture out of, you know, mashed potatoes and everybody like that, we're all walking around with spoons, pushing in on the mashed potatoes until eventually it's David. <laughs> I mean, that would be, yeah, there's definitely, you know, that type of thing that comes from your experience with, with filmmaking that, you know, you have to, you know, pay attention to every little detail because everything is important to what's going on in the the story of the uh of the video but at the same time you're trying you know you you're trying not to draw attention away from what's going on in the video so it's it's that fine line of you know it's like oh what's this going what is this going back here and then you miss like 30 seconds of the song because you're not paying attention you're looking at all the costumed people cavorting and capering in the background um yeah, I mean, if you do it well, I mean, I think I think Terry Gilliam's the master, man. Like, you can watch Brazil, mm-hmm. and then you can watch Brazil, and then you can watch Brazil, and by the time you get to, like, screening nine of Brazil, you're still seeing new shit. You're still being like, wait, what's that propaganda poster? What is that? You know, and this, it's texture that you're not looking at but but it's it's silently informing your appreciation that there's you know that there's this rich you know tapestry 
I feel like I'm using that word a lot more than than normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's you you have this um this uh this unobtrusive yet vitally important part and you don't it's almost subliminal when you do it correctly. Oh, absolutely. Um one of the things I was going to say is is um because I've I've interviewed several directors, so Nick and and Casey, because Dan, you'll know exactly where I'm going when I say this. How often would would Dan say something like, "That was really good, but what if we try it this way?" <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite moment of the shoot is like the end of the day, I'm hot as shit, and Dan just came up to me and he goes, "How you doing, bud?" And I just in my head, I'm like, "I look like fucking shit right now." Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like you said too much yeah. without saying anything. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I was perfect the entire time. I didn't make any mistakes or anything, so I didn't have that experience. <laughs> it's fun to watch you sit in the same chair for like, yeah. what was that, five hours straight? <laughs> uh, the, uh, going back to like what you were uh, just talking about really quick as far as like Dan giving us like collaboration ideas and like on the spot, we came to a part in the video where he was like, all right, so what are you supposed to be doing now? And I was just like, uh, I had only thought about the other part. I didn't think about this part. <laughs> so Dan just threw out a couple of uh, suggestions and then we, we landed on what we did, which, you know, you'll see in the video. Um, but <laughs> it was, uh, filming that part was like the most uncomfortable thing for me and the, the entire shoot just like sitting in the chair that way <laughs> it was just like so awkward and no no music was going on and so, oh man i wish yeah. that video but everyone's just we're all up in the balcony just going like this to nick yeah. just giving the little <laughs> miss america wave. for hours straight yeah. just alternating <laughs> nick uh we need you to sit here for a while uh we're all gonna go out to eat so yeah. uh, we yeah, just need you to much. hang back here get into character and uh you know, we'll bring you back some breadsticks. <laughs> yeah, but you can't eat them still. Yeah. <laughs> you can just you know how them. picky I am. I mean, we've talked about that on many a show I've been on. And, of course, Dan wanted to get shawarma, so I'm sitting there eating my, my muffin from Dunkin' Donuts while everyone's <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating their, their lunch. Nick, someone just... could be like, I got some food with a whole vegetable on it. Like, it looks like there's nothing to eat. <laughs> you, literally the worst. Where are the Elios in Mountain Dew? <laughs> That is literally the only thing I've ever seen him eat. Oh, I, I have some, I have some bologna. I don't have any bread, though. <laughs> yeah, we definitely got Shawarma Palace uh, from Wor Worcester Mash Shawarma Palace, number one. Where, <laughs> where, where is it? I've, I don't know uh, where that is. It's opposite the courthouse. So if you're looking at the courthouse, turn around, and it, there's, a, there's that street that runs perpendicular on your right. Mm -hmm. What is that street? Not Madison, but yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, so it's right so near it's the Palladium, right near that. The, yeah, from the courthouse, and it's the best. We were there's a actually wait when is September fourth? It's already come out. I was the rigging gaffer on a Liam Neeson bank robber movie called. Oh yeah, Honest, yeah. the one that is, just filmed there. I've yep, so that was last winter. Um. But being the rigging gaffer as the department head, so I had guys working under me, and because we weren't on shooting set, we had to eat. We got to eat out every day, um, 
and I burned my my best boy, so my my first my first lieutenant who who uh, I burned him out on shawarma. Where it was like every every other day, he was like, "Damn, we can't eat this much shawarma." And you're like, "That's uh, that's what quitters say." Yeah, exactly. It's like you you can eat. this Well, much what's great is that's right down the street from where my office is because I work on Jackson Street, which is about three minutes down the street from the courthouse. So. Oh yeah. Go on Thursdays. He on Thursdays he does the lamb. It is. I do like lamb. Ashes, you look like you have something to say. Do you? <laughs> well, yeah. I was just going to ask about the filming schedule. How long did the filming process take? Uh, we filmed everything in one day, um, but we we had to like crunch everything in to make sure that we had enough time to. You know, get everything that we wanted to do. We but we do load in at like eight, and then we went home around ten thirty. Yeah, I didn't get home till like two in the morning that day yeah. with loading and unloading. We don't have a truck or anything, so we had to fill like four different cars with all of our gear. And then our drummer um, and his friend had built a uh, a stage riser stage riser for us, and that had to come in four different pieces. So we had to like build that and then take it apart and load that up with all of our gear and all the props and stuff that we had bought to to do the video um yeah lost my train of thought <laughs> yeah so all in one day we crammed it and is that you know for dan is that a a normal shooting schedule for a video or like a you know i know some folks will do for short films they'll do you know maybe one to two days depending on you know how intricate the shoot is uh how many locations you have because uh, I imagine this was just one location, and you yeah. know, so well, we doubled it for two. Um, so you know, so your standard film day is twelve and a half hours, so twelve hours plus lunch, uh, which really ends up being thirteen, because half hour lunch is always really forty five minutes to an hour. Yeah. Uh, we went a little over because not everything went exactly as planned. Um, but so I, I think we it, we got we weren't allowed to get into the building until ten. These guys showed up early because they had to do trips with cars to get everything there. Um, so at ten o'clock, when we were able to get in the building, there was like a sidewalk full of things. Um, and then I think she she gave us a little extra time so that we ended up I think we ended up out of the building at like ten thirty eleven p.m. Yeah. Um, normally on a you know on depending like on a, like a label like a label shoot where there's like a full budget. We do two days. So we do a performance day and a story day. Uh, so we do one day where we just do the story stuff. We do one day where we just do the performance stuff. Um, it was certainly an ambitious day because we wanted performance and we wanted story and we had, you know, one day. So we, you know, it was, uh, it was nothing. Uh, there was no extra. We got exactly what we needed. Um, it was a very well, calibrated shooting schedule um but we you know we we got it done so we we kind of forced two days worth of shooting into one day and i would imagine that when you have uh, that much experience you're able to do so when i was it difficult to uh to kind of wrangle the guys into what you needed them to do especially with nick you know wandering around like rain man looking for elio's pizza like <laughs> Was it was it tough? Oh. Uh, Nick Nick was the the beauty of of uh, of Nick's plan was that he was never not in the center, like never not arms reach from me. So we never lost our Nick. Um, and the guys were, you know, they were they were ready. 
set to pop. They were ready to go uh, from Jump Street. So so as soon as we were able to move on from story to performance, they were they were there. They'd been there. It was it was you know. So it was a very efficient efficiency of movement. Excellent. And the way that we had everything set up too, we filmed in three different spots because we had the uh, we were able to get uh, rent out the the brick box theater downtown and we filmed we had like the story set like in the lobby of the theater and then we had the performance set in the like the theater itself um and then we filmed one other thing in (laughs) in the bathroom (laughs) um and that that had nothing to do with the video yeah Yeah. that was just for me and dad yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's how we got the good budget yeah (laughs) um but yeah, I feel like that if if we didn't have that, then we wouldn't have been able to do it in that time frame for sure. So that's Dan good. It's, it's very generous with the help that he gave us. Let's say that's you know, especially on uh, a first shoot, I would imagine Dan that that's not something that you uh, have experienced uh, all that often. You know, folks who are doing this for the first time uh, may not be the most organized. Uh, is that something you'd agree with? Um, I mean, the a lot of the organization was handled beforehand. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, so my AD, Matt, who was also, you know, acting as a producer, you know, a lot of, uh, we never let it get to that point where we, you know, you always, you ask all the questions and you, you, you know, because we planned this for weeks beforehand and, and we got, um, cause we were planning to do it before coronavirus kind of crunched it all and then it we pushed um but you know it gave us extra time to like really fine-tune the plan and ask all the questions and that's you know that's a lot of what what kind of separates um that's the it's the that's the mark of professionality is is preparation so there's there's all those questions that will you know we'll go through and we had you know me and my crew had zoom calls and we kind of went through the day in every aspect and where is what is coming from where who's bringing it when does it arrive in what vehicle once that vehicle has unloaded what do we do with that vehicle um so it really allowed us to get with nick and casey and, and say you know like those kinds of things so so they knew they needed to make two trips so that's how they knew that they needed to come early, leave a bunch of shit on the sidewalk, drive back, get a second trip of stuff, leave somebody to guard the shit on the sidewalk, come back, <laughs> you know, arrive with the second trip when the rest of the crew arrives, who will load those things in? So those are all questions that we ask beforehand because, you know, an ounce of preparation is better than a pound of whatever. Yes. Yes. A pound of cure. There you go. Um, so I think that might be uh, pretty much all we have. Ash, do you have anything else you wanna you wanna add? Any other questions you wanna ask? I uh, no, I just wanna tell Nick that I'm really proud of him. Thank you. I appreciate that. Like, that means a lot. Really, really, really proud of you. I've been uh, been working on this for a very, very long time, so it's uh, still still very, very surreal that we're in the middle of what we're doing, even though we still have one major obstacle in our way being COVID, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll figure it out and you know, we'll keep moving. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Thank I, uh, I want to echo her sentiments and add, uh, I still have your Bruins hat. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, but yeah, we are definitely both uh, really proud of you for everything that you know we've seen you d- go through, and as long as we've known you, so uh, you know we Thank knew you. we we knew you had the talent and the drive to get t- to where you are. So. And uh, Casey, I want to thank you for being uh, being close with Nick and uh, helping guide him through, uh, you know, some some tough times that he's been having. So I appreciate that. And Dan, uh, thank you for all that you've done with these guys. Um, you know, independent creators. We all do. There's still miles to go before we sleep. We got. But I'm still appreciative of what you've done thus far, getting to this point. You know, the the journey just because the journey is an end doesn't mean the hard part, you know, hasn't hasn't been, you know, ongoing for quite some time. You know, there's always there's always bumps in the road that have to be uh traversed. So I I totally get you. Well yeah. Well I mean these guys have been a, a joy to a joy to work with, a joy to collaborate, and you know, it, it's uh it's a it's always fun. I'd rather be doing things than not. Mm-hmm. So even with a uh, you know uh, uh, less money than I'm used to operating with, you know I you know Nick still came to me and was like, hey, we probably don't you know can't do what you want. And I was like, I don't give a shit, man. I'm I'm just happy just to create. If you're gonna give me an opportunity to make something, if you're gonna give me a canvas, I'll fucking paint till I'm dead in the ground. <laughs> that's a, and that's a great attitude to have when you're uh, a creator and. You know, we're we're happy to have you on here and you know, we'll we'll have you on again when it's time for the next video and the next video and when the album's ready to drop, like we'll promote you guys as much as we possibly can because you know, independent creators have to look out for each other and we are a huge supporter of folks who do not have these, you know, multi million dollar budgets. Uh, you know, maybe someday. But uh, you know, as it turns out right I think Nine hundred ninety-nine thousand, and say thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be. Yeah, I'd be okay with that too. Um, <laughs> but you know, we're at, we're at a point where you know, a lot of the stuff that's coming out is, you know, prequels, sequels, reboots, and spinoffs. And if you want some real, legitimate, uh, you know, original content, I mean, music is a great place to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Especially now that, you know, we've all been sitting in the same place for such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the but, beauty of that, I mean, the reason I love music videos is because they're, you don't have to worry about continuity. You don't have to worry about suspension of disbelief. You, you walk into this abstract space and already the rules of reality are suspended because people know it's a music video so you could do you know like you can the boys and girls music video blur is just them dancing on in front of a green screen but behind them is all very badly green screened in uh vacation footage like video vacation (laughs) home movie vacation footage and it's ridiculous so like that's if that's your bar of expectation then we can you know, <laughs> early lights and people talking to themselves and explosions and cats and whatever you want. Um, so it, it gives you a much richer, uh, you know, canvas, you know, color palette to paint with is that there's there's a lot more. You can just have blood start raining from the ceiling for seemingly no reason that people are just going to roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, so before we let you guys go, because uh, we've been going for uh, almost an hour and a half at this point, um, I'll start with uh, Dan. Dan, where do you like folks following you on uh, social media? 
Um, Instagram. My name is Daniel Horahan. I think. Let's see. What is my name? Yep, it's it's Daniel E. Horahan. If you spell it all out. All right. Uh, Nick and Casey, where do you like uh, where do you like folks following you? Uh, Instagram for me. Uh, NJ Farah. F A R R A R. Farrar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd say to anyone, just follow the band, you know. I don't really use my Instagram too much, but uh, it's Cusa, C-U-H-S-U-H. Yeah, we're going to uh, release all of our social media once the, the trailer comes out. So uh, the Instagram for the band is going to be HDN Figures. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook, Hidden Figures Band, um, Twitter, all, all that. It's Hidden Figures Band. You'll find us. You'll see the, the HF logo. We'll be there ready to talk to you. So I assume that you guys have already secured those uh, those those usernames. Yeah, we made the socials a couple months back, and right, uh, just, we just... have uh, all of our on our website too. We're gonna have the links to everything right at the bottom. So if you can't find it for whatever reason, just go to the website hiddenfiguresofficial.com, and it'll be all at the bottom. And you can buy our awesome new shirts. Twenty I bucks. Just, I just wanted <laughs> to make sure that you uh, you already did. So like you know, some random troll listening to this doesn't go out and like take all the social media handles yeah <laughs> yeah we got it all we're good <laughs> all right well once upon a time i thought about that in like the mid 90s i was like i should just buy hillary clinton <laughs> and i regret not doing that ever intuition yeah <laughs> i was like i bet if i like hillary clinton would pay me money to get that back because at one point it was open Oh my god! <laughs> missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> or she would have just gone org, and then you'd be screwed, or dot gov, or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but like, they were so cheap. Like in 1990. Like, good god. Oh yeah, good. 30 years ago. Oh yeah. Back when the the internet required all that screeching and howling from your modem. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss. That. Sometimes I load a YouTube video on the dial-up modem. <laughs> like just, just screw with just... people. For nostalgia purposes. Exactly. It's the soundtrack to yeah. <laughs> soundtrack to my teen years. Oh good. <laughs> that was a good impression of a modem. Like that's you got some you got a a, a bright future ahead of you. <laughs> Fire right. voiceover artist. Yeah, there you go. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we will have links in the show notes, so you'll be able to follow all these guys. Uh, both individually and collectively and uh, looking forward to seeing the video. Mm. So uh, thank gonna, you guys very much. Thank you so much. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back to wrap up the show. Boy, it sure was nice with that backwoods inbred cannibal clan to give me directions. If you ask me, they're a seriously misunderstood section of society. Hey, wait, what is that music? And what smells like hydroelectricity? Well, hello, 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 hello there, Patsy the Angry Nerd! You, you, you big boy! The shaking in the shoes, the way you look at people when you're at the haunted hydro? Why, why, it's okay, little fella. You can come and play in my playground. <laughs> Crazy Bob's here tonight, and I love each and every person who comes to visit us at 1333 Tiffin Street in Fremont, Ohio. That's right, 31 years of burying people in my backyard. <laughs> 
I want to invite you to come down. Visit our Facebook. Visit our website, www.thehauntedhydro.com or, because we like to just be crazy, hauntedhydro.com. You don't have to use the word the because some of you have trouble spelling it. I get it. I get it. It's not our fault. Words are hard. So I'll just stick to what I know. Social media. I'll follow you on Instagram at the underscore haunted underscore hydro and at facebook.com slash the haunted hydro. Well, I want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are doing our 31st year. Make sure that you come down and see us. Sooner or later, you're going to be one of the few that survive. <laughs> It's been 10 years, 10 years to plot and plan. And now, Debbie Wilkins is back. A decade after her killing spree on the set of The Bayou Butcher, Debbie Wilkins has returned to the spotlight. And she's getting the attention she craves. But will she bathe in glory or in blood? Debbie isn't the only one who's been plotting and planning. And when worlds collide, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. Does Debbie have what it takes to stay on top? Or will she end up on the cutting room floor? Debbie Rashawn, Stormy Daniels, and Diana Prince lead a cast of badass women in Axe to Grind Part 2, coming soon. Support the Indiegogo campaign by joining the Facebook group, clicking the link, and choosing your perk. Want to be in a scene with Stormy? You can. Want her to kill you? That's up for grabs, too. How about your face in the movie, or your artwork, or your own music? All of these perks and more can be yours. Support indie horror. Don't make Debbie ask you twice. like those guys were a lot of fun to talk to it's definitely different yeah definitely uh a switch from our usual routine definitely um you know something we're we're but it's our show we can do whatever the hell we want right and yeah. a little change is good every yeah. now and then you know I and mean, those guys were definitely characters so to say the least yeah so I, I i'm i'm happy with that show i'm happy with uh talking with those guys it was nice to meet casey and meet uh uh, Dan and mm-hmm. uh, we had a huge conversation with Dan afterwards. That was a that was a good time. Um, so what do we what do we got going on so far? So we have battle results finally. I know. Finally. Well, we figured it would make sense to do the battle results during the battle of the bands. It, it it's 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 appropriate. It's yeah. fitting. 
So we threw down the Battle of the Bands. Whose riffs rock hard enough to knock out the competition and bring home the win? The sandbox was the Bowery Ballroom, New York City. And you could choose from the Wild Stallions from Bill and Ted, because that's who the episode was about when we threw down this battle a couple of episodes ago. Be excellent to each other. Crucial Taunt from Wayne's World. At least not the shitty Beatles. Sex Babom from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And the Lone Rangers from Airheads. And we have a couple of different winners. Okay. So our Facebook winners, because it was a tie, is Crucial Taunt and the Wild Stallions. Well, the man in the back said everyone attack and it turned into a ballroom blitz. It's true. And our winner on Twitter was Sex Babom. Yeah, you know, um, we had a few people commenting about uh, the different bands and why they chose what they chose. A lot of love for Sex Pavon. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Um, more than I would have thought, so I'm glad I really I like the drummer. Them. Oh, Knives? No, not Knives. I thought Knives. Knives wasn't the drummer, no. I've only seen that movie once, like five years ago. I thought you... No, that was, that was Scott Pilgrim's girlfriend. Yeah, high I know. school girlfriend. I know she Knives wasn't was the drummer. Well, who is the drummer? Well, I forget her name, but it's Allison Pill. Mittens? Yeah, Mittens the drummer for Sex Babong. Makes sense. But she's like, we are Sex Babong. We're here to make you sad and sing about stuff. I'll have to rewatch that because I don't remember much about I that. I feel like it needs a re like that we should probably do that character. We should I feel probably like do that an episode. film needs a revisit. Although I feel like we should start doing uh doing some of our our uh Halloween stuff coming up soon cuz it is already the end of September. It is spooky season, bitches. Yeah, and I just got a whole shitload of new scarves with skulls on them and I'm very excited because um, you can wear them to church. I can wear them to church, on the boat, uh, to the office, uh, you know, wherever wherever uh, good times are had. On the on the boat. On the boat, the boot. Um, but yeah, we have some. Uh, you got your swim trunks and my flippy floppies. <laughs> uh, so what do we got coming up? Do you have a nautical theme pashmina afghan. Actually, no. I have a blue <laughs> skull one. I actually, one of the, because uh, I, I ordered a bunch of stuff from Scully Couture, uh, which I highly recommend. I'll put uh, notes in the, uh, or a link in the show notes. Um, and she was selling scarves, and one of the scarves is like this big shawl-looking motherfucker. It's a pashmina. Yeah, which I thought was a brand. I didn't. I don't know any different. I was just like, ooh, that's a scarf. I like it. And it's super awesome, and uh, I'm going to wear it all the time. I have now, I had... Uh, one scarf a couple of weeks ago because it was yours and I said I'm taking it and now I have like seven so I don't have any with sharks on it so if anybody out there knows whether I can get a, a shark scarf a sharf I don't know if that works but if anybody knows where I can get one let me know and uh, I will buy it because I want one um, what do we got coming up? We got a new episode next week that's going to be awesome. Yeah. So in case you didn't know, there is a new series dropping on Netflix this coming weekend called Ratched, starring yes. Sarah Paulson as Nurse Ratched. Yeah. The classic character uh, of played by Louise Fletcher, the Oscar winning Louise Fletcher. From One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yes. So we're going to be binge watching that entire series, which I'm so excited for, and revisiting One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest My to cap. 
talk about Nurse Ratched. Yes, uh, and it's going to be a great episode. She's one of those like really. She good is one of my favorite characters. villains of yes. all time. Um, top three, I think. Yeah. All time. We'll, we'll definitely get more into that next week. But like Patsy said, we're also gearing up for spooky. I think this is a really good way to kind of kick off spooky season. Yeah, because she's not exactly spooky, but she's definitely fucking evil. I mean, yeah, she's uh, she's. I would say she's got more. She's got more malice in her than a lot of the you know monsters that you see in these horror movies because well, monsters are just monsters doing what they do naturally. And she willfully makes these decisions. And they say the most terrifying monsters are humans. Yeah. I mean, look so. at The Walking Dead. It's not the zombies. It's the peoples. Yeah. So um, So that's coming up next week with an all-new battle we're throwing down. I'm really excited about that one. And uh, tomorrow night, uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday, tomorrow night, Friday the what, 18th. 18th. Friday the 18th, not to be confused with Friday the 13th, because that's a different thing. But Friday the 18th is, uh, I'm going to be, we're going to be live from uh, roughly 7 to 11-ish, and we're going to have a whole slew of awesome guests on promoting some of their uh, some of their stuff. Uh, some of the folks are TBD. They haven't uh, uh, confirmed yet, but who has confirmed? We have uh, Rhiannon Nicole, uh, Rachel Hoffman, Spencer Gray. And Jess Snyder, all from, uh, oh, and uh, Colton Baumgartner, all mm-hmm. from Axe to Grind Part 2. Uh, they're also going to be promoting uh, some other stuff that they're, that they're, uh, that they're doing uh, because it's going to be the last week of the Indiegogo. They have one more week. Uh, next Friday is the last day. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, for a little while, uh, our good buddy Dominic Pace. He's going to be talking about his new film that he's got coming out. Um, we've got, uh, a few other people that I don't want to mention cause I don't, uh, I haven't gotten confirmation. They said they were going to do it, but I, I, it's, it would also be a surprise. It's going to be a really great show. Jeanette like, is going to be on to talk about the illustration oh, she did for, uh, for how much do you tip an exorcist? We're going to have Jeremy Saffron again to talk about, um, his, uh, his, his book, Daughters of Darkness, which you can still pre-order, which we will be pre-ordering, uh, very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's, there's going to be a whole slew of folks on, and uh, it's going to be going for four hours. It's going to be a good time. So stop by, ask some questions. Uh, I've posted the link. And, uh, yeah, join the conversation. It'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I think with that being said, <gasps> we, we will, will see, see you, you next, next Thursday.
Shit, what we're gonna get out of here.